Well, it's so good to see all of you uh, today. Just a word of explanation. On uh, Tuesday, Elise, Rhonda's mom, who uh, lives with us, uh, was exposed to uh, COVID-19. And the next day, the person she was exposed to did test positive. So through an abundance of caution, uh, Elise is quarantining. She is uh, halfway through her quarantine period now. And um, thankfully, she is exhibiting no symptoms. And uh, we pray that that continues. And uh, interestingly enough, her friend who, that, uh, was, who was actually tested positive, she is not showing any symptoms either. She is uh, asymptomatic at this point in time. So we're very thankful for that as well. But I uh, threw an abundance of caution because uh, Rhonda and I have been exposed to Elise. We um, wanted to protect you today. And uh, so, but I wanted to preach. So here I am. And uh, Sam, you may be in the danger zone there, buddy. You you may be within six feet. But uh, I will just say that you are closer to me than some of those reporters are to Joe Biden. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything else. That's all I'm saying. But I wanted to give you a report on. Yeah, that's, you think so? You think it's that far? All right. Well, praise the Lord. You know, some of the chapters in the Bible are more memorable, shall we say, than others. Uh, I'm just wondering, do you, do you have a favorite chapter? In the Bible? If a lost person came to you and said, what is it with you Christians? You really, you really have a reverence for the Bible. Could you take that, that person, that lost person, could you take them to one of your favorite chapters in the Bible? I, I hope that you could. In, in case you can't, uh, or nothing comes to mind quickly, uh, if you would allow me to share with you a few of my favorites... Genesis 1 is a favorite. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What a beautiful chapter that explains how everything got here, really explains how we got here as well. It's the chapter of beginnings, the chapter of creation. What a beautiful chapter. Genesis 3 is a favorite. Not because Genesis 3 is beautiful. As a matter of fact, Genesis 3 is ugly when you get right down to it. But it's one of my favorites because it helps us understand how we got in this mess. It really helps us understand how we personally got in this mess. Genesis 3 is just as ugly as Genesis 3, as Genesis 1 is beautiful, but it helps us understand the condition of our world. Exodus 20 is a favorite. Exodus 20 contains the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are the foundation upon which Western civilization was built, and we ignore or disobey those commandments at our own peril. Psalm 23 is a favorite. Written by the shepherd boy turned king, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness 
and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 90 is a favorite. The only psalm written by Moses, the man of God, teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. Pray this psalm. It is so deep and wide. Had a little concrete poured at the house uh, this last week. And uh, I couldn't resist. I was going to scratch something in the concrete, of course. So uh, I put our family name, and I put the year 2020, because it's a year that everybody should remember. And, uh, and I put Psalm 90 in there as well. Psalm 90 is one of my favorites. Psalm 110 is a favorite, a strange and beautiful psalm. Once you get into the New Testament, you will, if you study it deeply, you'll realize that Psalm 110 is the one psalm quoted more than any other psalm In the New Testament, this psalm, written over a thousand years before the birth of our Lord, written by David, the king, allows us to eavesdrop on a conversation between God the Father and God the Son. And one can only wonder what the Holy Spirit was whispering to them as well. The Lord has declared an oath, and He will not take it back. You are a priest forever, according to the pattern of Melchizedek. Another favorite chapter? Matthew 5 through 7. Whoa, Brother Kevin, that's three chapters. Yes, but we can't split up the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached. Luke 2 is a favorite, the birth of our Savior. John 1 is a favorite, the eternal Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were created through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. How about John 3? Is that a favorite? And I believe you know the verse I'm about to quote here, right? Of course, John 3.30. It's the incredible summary of John the Baptist's life and his approach to his Lord. And as Christians, John 3.30 should be our verse too. He must increase I must decrease. There are other favorite chapters too that I have that time will not permit me to mention other than Philippians 2, Hebrews 11, Revelation 4, just to name a few. And I do have one more favorite chapter that we'll get to here in just a minute. But before I do, let's pray. Father, I pray that you will bless the reading of your word, the preaching of your word. I, your humble servant, will attempt to bring your message to the people through your word. And we pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Another favorite chapter? Luke chapter 15. The Gospel of Matthew is known for its great, exacting, and beautiful detail. The Gospel of Mark is known for its immediacy and urgency. The Gospel of John is so completely different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke that it's, well, it's known for a lot of things. But the Gospel of Luke is known for its parables. Luke is known for its parables. And Luke 15, one of my favorite chapters, is known as the pinnacle of parables. In this one chapter, we will find a lost sheep. We will find a lost coin. And we will find two lost boys. Three great parables, all for the price of one. In Luke 15. Luke 15 is the lost and found chapter of the Bible. When I was growing up, we didn't have much. So when my friends told me about, at school, they told me about 
there's such a thing called lost and found. I could not comprehend what a lost and found was because why in the world, I mean, we have to watch what we have because we have so little. And if we have something go missing, surely we're going to find, there is a lost and found. And I'm thinking, man, there must be some really cool things in there. My friends assured me there's nothing in the lost and found worth having. There's no great value there. But there is great value in Luke chapter 15. In Luke 15, there is lostness, and then there is the joy of being found. A lost sheep rescued. A lost coin reclaimed. Two lost sons reunited. The pinnacle of parables, Luke chapter 15. And a parable is really just a short story. And Jesus was the master at using parables to illustrate his point. You will remember last week when Brother Brian shared with us the parable of the sower. This week, we're looking at three short stories of the agony of being lost and the joy of being found. But we will concentrate on the parable known as the prodigal son. Rod Mattoon said that this one parable is one of the most well-known stories of the scriptures. The story of the prodigal son has been labeled by some biblical scholars as the prince of the parables, the pearl and the crown. The great writer Charles Dickens, who knew a little something about stories and, and writing, praised this parable as the finest short story ever written. Will you stand with me now as I read the parable of the prodigal? Luke chapter 15 Verses 11 through 31. Hear the word of the Lord. He also said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. And after he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country And he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food, and here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned. Against heaven and in your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. And let's celebrate with the feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now, good timing. His older son was in the field. As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, look, 
I've been slaving many years for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Have you ever been lost? I mean, truly lost. I remember I was on my very first mission trip uh, deep into the heart of uh, the interior of Mexico. And um, by, by the way, do we have any 14-year-olds here with us today? Any 14-year-olds? There's, there's one. That's No 14-year-olds. Joel, I thought you were... We'll count it. Joel, you, you count. Joel, I was your age when this happened to me. I was on my first mission trip to Mexico, and uh, I got oh so lost. First, you got to understand, we traveled from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, all the way to Mexico City on a school bus. It took forever. Sometimes I still think I'm on that bus. (laughs) After we had been in the Mexico City area for a few days, We then flew in a tiny little plane deep into the mountains and we landed on a grass airstrip. The pilot had to buzz the the grass strip on top of the mountain. He had to buzz it to make sure all the animals were off before we landed. We were in the middle of nowhere. And then we were going to hike eight hours deeper into the mountains. So we loaded up all of our provisions on burrows and we began this eight-hour hike into the mountains of Mexico. Once we got on the trail, some of the older boys absolutely just took off running. I did not think that was a good plan. I'm thinking eight-hour hike, probably don't want to run. I mean, even if we get there two hours early, what difference does it make? So I'm not doing that. I'm staying back with the, the provisions and the supplies and the burrows. Uh, so I stayed back with the, the youth leaders. But the burrows were as slow as those older teens were as fast, and I soon found myself separated from them as well. I just could not walk that slow. I was 14, Joel. I had to, I mean, I had to keep moving. Now, I did notice that while we were hiking on this side of a particularly large mountain, I did notice that there were many side trails going off into the various villages. But I had no one to guide me. And I was alone. And I soon realized that I was lost, and I mean completely lost. I could not see the group that was in front of me, and I could not see the group that was behind me. The group before me had a guide that was running with them, and so they knew where to turn off on the right trail. The group behind me had a guide with them, and they knew where to turn off on the right trail. But I had no one to guide me, and so I missed the turn. And I was alone for hours. And I soon realized that I was lost. I mean, completely lost. It is a terrible feeling to be lost. And the prodigal son knew what that feeling was like. 
in verses 14 through 16, after he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his field to feed his pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. He had no one. He had nothing. Well, he did have pigs. And he did have pig food. The prodigal son knew what it felt like to be lost. But at least he came to his senses. When he came to his senses, that beautiful verse, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food and here I am dying of hunger. Being lost is bad. You know there's something worse than being lost? That's being lost and not even knowing that you're lost. And for a time, the prodigal son did not even know he was lost. Do you know someone who is lost? Do they even know they're lost? I pray that the Lord will use you to help bring them to their senses. The prodigal son is found, but in this story that Jesus told, the older brother is lost. And the older brother doesn't even know he's lost. I see four life lessons in this parable. Life lesson number one, good parenting doesn't guarantee good kids. This good father had two wicked sons. Our great role model, God the Father, certainly knew what it was like to have bad kids. He had a bunch of them. Life lesson number two, just because someone is lost, as the younger brother was lost, it doesn't mean that they can't be found. Rhonda and I know people who are so lost that from a human perspective, it's hopeless. This parable by Jesus teaches us that no one is beyond God's mercy. You may know someone who has wasted his life or her life in riotous living. They may appear to be beyond redemption. No! Do not give up on them. Jesus tells us that the prodigal can be saved. Life lesson number three. Just because somebody appears to have it all together, it doesn't mean that they're not lost. The older brother appears to be obedient. He can compare himself to the younger brother and say, I'm righteous. I obey my father. I stayed by the stuff. I keep working for my father. But when confronted with the fact that his brother had returned, he did not even refer to him as his brother. He said, this son of yours, do you feel the hatred, the contempt there? The older brother is saying, I'm good. I'm obedient to the father. But inside his heart, where it really matters, beyond the eyes of the people of the village, he was wicked. He was lost. His heart is so out of tune with that of his father that they are not singing the same song. Pray for your friends that appear to have it all together, but inside they are wallowing in self-pity, bitterness, and anger. Life lesson number four. There is great rejoicing when someone is found. In all three parables in Luke 15, there's a strong emphasis on rejoicing once the lost is found. The lost sheep is found... And the shepherd throws a party. 
The lost coin is found, and the widow invites her friends over, and they celebrate. The lost son is found, and the older brother just doesn't want anything of it. What does the Lord have for you today in this parable? Are you lost? Well, here's the good news. If you're lost, you can be found today. Come to your senses. Go to the Father. He longs to save you from your senseless sin. Are you, to all eyes around you, are you found but truly lost? I fear that there are people in our acquaintance that are like the older brother. Outwardly, they appear to have it all together, but inside, they are filled with anger and bitterness. Come to your senses. Go to your father. He longs to save you from your bitter sin. Do you know someone who is lost? Invite them to come to church with you. Invite them to get to know the Father who truly loves them, the Son who gave His life for them, and the Holy Spirit who waits to indwell them. And when your friend comes to know Jesus, we can all rejoice together while the heavenly audience celebrates. Do you not know someone who is lost? If that is you, this is what I would prayerfully recommend to you. Please pray these two prayers. Prayer number one, pray and ask that the Lord will open your eyes because the lost are all around you. Prayer number two, pray and ask that the Lord will specifically reveal these lost that are all around you and give you an opportunity to speak to them, to engage them in a gospel conversation. I promise you this, if you will faithfully pray those pray those two prayers, the Lord will answer those prayers. Oh, that the lost would be found. Father, we thank you that you recorded this incredible parable for us. Thank you, Lord, that this parable is striking because The lost sheep is found and there's rejoicing. The lost coin is found and there is rejoicing. And then the lost son is found and then there are mixed reviews. How sinful we are, Lord. Lord, I pray for those who are truly lost and know they're lost. May they come to their senses today. Today, Lord, I pray for those who are lost and don't even know they're lost, but they're wallowing in self-pity and anger and bitterness. I pray, Lord, that you would Save them that they would come to their senses and return to you and know the full joy of your salvation. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.